Your experience at Joy Church will be unlike any church service you have ever attended before. We are not about religion. We are about a relationship with God the Father through His Son, Jesus Christ. At Joy Church, you'll hear live and vibrant praise and worship music. You will be loved and encouraged. You will be confident that your children will learn about Jesus in a fun and safe environment. You'll be assured that your youth will be loved and accepted not only for who they are, but challenged to become who they were created to be. At Joy Church, God's Word is delivered through creative, humorous, and relative teaching that will help you apply the Bible to your life. There is a place here at Joy Church just for you, where you can begin to develop a vibrant and exciting relationship with Jesus Christ and discover your divine destiny. We're beginning a three-part series today that I'm very, very excited about called Lather, Rinse, Repeat. And I really love the subtitle because we become what we repeatedly do. That really is the case. Uh, every single year at this time of the year, we challenge people as we turn into a new year to really what we call go all in for God. I watch a lot of people, you know, they struggle year by year and they simply are going through the same motions and the same ruts over and over and over again. And so it really becomes this lather, rinse, repeat cycle. And every year we challenge you to go in, the kingdom of God, go all in. I watch a lot of people, they kind of straddle the fence. They, you know, they love Lord, the Lord in their heart, but they're half in the culture and half in the kingdom. And they, and they really, really are living a mixed life. And may I challenge everybody in the house, you're not going to find true peace or purpose until you go all in for the Lord. And so I'm challenging everybody to do that. Uh, this time last year, we did the same thing. And we had a lot of people take us up on that. And, and now here they are a year later, and they're no longer lathering and rinsing and repeating. Their life has changed because they've gone all in for God. And so we want to show you an all in for God video of one of our resident policemen, Kevin Aiken. Check it out. Was, was coming to church, but just felt like there was something chipping away at me that I needed to do more. 16 years in law enforcement and just wasn't, uh, wasn't happy with where I was at in life and some of the things. I'd become very skeptical and very cynical, uh, very insecure, very judgmental, uh, and just wasn't liking the life that I was living or um, the man that I was becoming. I had seen my job really start to wear on me in certain ways and I, I just didn't like what I was doing. And so I kept hearing Pastor Jim say, hey, you, you know, give us a year to go all in. And I thought, towards the end of 2018, I thought, man, this is it. This is the year I'm gonna go all in. The first event that I went to that kind of toppled the first domino was the Taste of Joy. Uh, I went, it was a great time. I uh, had a lot of great fellowship, incredible food, uh, met a lot of great people. And that was kind of the first thing that got me started to going all in and, and jumping in with both feet. And then I did the uh, WCBI class. Then there was a, a leadership class, the Grub and Grow class that I was nominated for. There was another, another WCBI class. It was on uh, missions. And at about the same time, the uh, Jamaica trip was talked about. So I, I applied for that and 
fortunately enough, blessed enough to be selected for my first missions trip. It was life-changing. I, I never, if you would have asked me January 1, where will you be in June, um, it wouldn't have been, if it would have been in Jamaica, it would have been in a resort complaining about how it's not all-inclusive enough as opposed to being on the street and leading people to the Lord and watching people give their lives to the Lord. Joy Church has given me a blueprint to do things God's way and, and going all in and just being hungry for the Lord and being hungry for the Word, opening my Bible more, reading it more, becoming more familiar with Scripture, getting plugged in and, and serving as a door greeter and on the pastoral attendant team. Uh, that's been incredible. All the people that I've met along the way have been just so supportive. Joy Church has shown me the, the love that God has for us and that we're all children of God and we need to take what, what He gives us and what's on the inside of us and go out and give it to the community and give it to other people and show other people about Christ and about the love that He has for us. So Joy Church has, has in some ways given me my life back and given me a, a completely new life and it's incredible what the church and the people have done for me. There's Kevin over there. Would you wave your hand there, Kevin? Come on, encourage Kevin. That's Kevin Aiken, everybody, not Kevin Bacon, just so that you know. I love Kevin so much. He's one of our police officers. He, in essence, functions as the secret service for the mayor. He's the mayor's police office detail and just a wonderful man of God. And I remember we did a baptismal in Jamaica, and Kevin and I were just sitting in the ocean together after that baptismal, and he was sharing some of these things with me. And it just touched my heart to no end, to watch Kevin, a strong man, just know life wasn't fully working for him, and so he went all in in the things of God. And now his life's not perfect for him, but oh, it's so much better. And listen to me, yours can be too. You can go all in. All of those things that he jumped in on are all available to everybody in the house. Uh, well, what's going all in look like, Pastor? Well, how, just coming regularly. Coming every weekend. Coming Wednesday. Being, being a part of serving. Being a part of reaching the community. We do so much here that your life becomes so much more meaningful when you do. Come on. Can we encourage Kevin? Come on. <laughs> Kevin. He's one of my favorite people in the church, a tremendous man of God, and I, I love you, Kevin, and I really appreciate it. He's one of my pastoral attendants. He protects the pastor. If you give me a hard time, he'll shoot you right now. In love, totally in love. So honored to have everybody in the house. I know so many people. You're, you're here. It's 2020. You're making decisions. You're making goals. You've made New Year's resolutions. You're excited about it. But I got to give you some bad news right off the bat about New Year's resolutions. I don't know if you'll like this or not. Let me give you a couple stats on it. Check it out. Number one, 91 million Americans make New Year's resolutions. 70 million break them in the first week. <laughs> Welcome to America, everybody. Aren't we special? Look at, look at, look at number two. 92% of New Year's resolutions are gone by Valentine's Day. For you men, just so that you know, that's February 14th. Ladies, you're welcome. You are very welcome. You can, you can tell the men are going, when's that? Well, I, don't, I don't know what that is. 
Listen, you can tell we make decisions, we have resolutions, we got great intentions, our heart is good, we make goals, but so many times in our life it really is lather, rinse, and repeat just because the year turns, we think this magically everything's going to change in our life, but that's just not the case. And so I'm challenging everybody in the house, I don't want your life to be in a rut. I don't want year after year you to be stuck in the same addictions and the same messed up marriage and the same difficulties and the same challenges. We're trying to help you here at Joy. And I, I, I know your heart is right. I know you got great intentions. I know you got great goals. I know you got great resolutions, but we, we break them. All of us do. We break them so quickly. And if you don't, this woman sure will. Check it out. So, are you excited about New Year's? I guess. It's just, New Year's resolutions, I mean, I have a lot to work on. Girl, don't we all? <laughs> yeah, true, but... Okay, so my New Year's resolution this year, I have got to quit putting my foot in my mouth so much. I bet yours is losing weight, right? <laughs> I have a feeling She's going to have a hard time keeping her New Year's resolution. You believe that? I believe she invented foot and mouth disease. That's what I believe that she invented. So you can tell we had a hard time with that. Our hearts are right. Our intentions are right. We got good goals. We got good resolutions, but we break them all the time. So let's analyze that because I think the first thing that we got to check out is why. Why do we break those things? Why do we have these great intentions, great resolutions, but we break them so quickly? We have to discover why, the root cause of why, and I think if we can find out why, we can plug some holes in our life. So let's take a look at this. Let's look at three reasons why we reject resolutions. Because if we can find the problem, I really believe that we can get to the solution in this series. Check it out. Number one, watch this. We focus on what instead of how. And that really is what we do as we jump into a 2020, any new year. It's why we lather, rinse, and repeat. We focus on what, what we need to do instead of the mechanisms, the how behind that. Let me give you some thoughts on that. Let me give you six that will expound on what I'm talking about. And as we jump through this, this is going to make you think. Now, listen to me closely. I'm going to give you a lot of wisdom here and a lot of nuggets here. And I encourage you to take notes because you can only do what you remember. And if you say, well, Pastor, you go so fast, take your phone out and take a picture of the screens. It's so easy now with technology. Yeah. So let me talk to you about it. I think this is going to help immensely. Look at number one. I say this a lot. Successful and unsuccessful people usually have the same goals. That usually is the case. You'll find that both successful and unsuccessful people have the same goals. But here is the differentiator in number two. Check it out. Successful people do daily what unsuccessful people do occasionally. Everybody say daily. Man, is this an important truth that I've discovered in my life, and I want to really share it with you. And I know I say that a lot, but I watch people, they hear that, but they don't do it. That brings us to the third thing, and this is so important as we're checking this out, why we fail at this. Goals don't determine success. Systems determine success. Let me say it differently. Resolutions don't determine success, but systems determine success. 
Now, whether you understand this or not, Jesus was a systems-oriented guy. We think that Jesus kind of just walked around Galilee, you know, just petting small animals and, you know, float, walking on water. He was a systems-oriented guy. Jesus, uh, contrary to a lot of Christians' understanding, was an organized person. Does anybody in the house remember the miracle of the fishes and loaves? You, you remember when he took that little Captain D's lunch and turned that into feeding all kinds of folks? Think about it. The Bible says that he fed 5,000 men. But if you study that, that's just the men represented. If you take the whole families, it was about 35,000 people. Think of that. I don't know what the Titans stadiums hold. Can you give the Titans a big encouragement? Go on. <laughs> Miracles really still do occur. <laughs> you know, I don't know, so let's say the Titans Stadium holds 70,000 folks. That's about half the stadium. Think of that. And if you study the Greek language, it's really, really powerful because I want you to see those, those, you know, we get this idea that the big loaves, if you see Sunday School Lesson 101, you know, you see this little child with a big old French bread, you know, for the big loaf like that and the big old sea bass. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. But if you study the Greek language, that's not what happened at all. The loaves in the Greek language were just about the size of a large wafer. And the fishes, if you study the Greek language there, was just about the size of a large minnow. Now think of that. Now how many now that miracle becomes even greater? Jesus took that little boy's lunch. There's no little boy. That Greek word for lad in the Greek describes a lad that's about five to nine years old. There's no lad that brings around five big French bread and these big sea bass. You know, here you go. He had little wafers and little minnows on top of that for his lunch. Jesus took that boy's lunch and fed about 35,000 people with it. And you're sweating if God can help you with your rent. Come on, God's a good God. He's a big God. Now listen, that's a mighty miracle. We all know about it. But Jesus had a system in order to make that miracle take place. He had to organize the whole thing. If he did that himself with all 35,000 people, half of them would have starved. So he had to organize. He had everybody sit down in companies of 50, and he then disseminated to his disciples, which in turn then gave to the multitude. Jesus had a system. That system allowed the miraculous to go further. Let me challenge everybody in the house. Your success will not be based on the goals that you make, but the systems that you take. Amen. I'm all the time talking to my staff about that. Systems. Go to the root. Systems. You can't just be out here touching the fruit. You've got to go to the root. You've got to have systems built into your life. Systems will cause you to be successful. Only have five people that are excited about that. Everybody else is winging it in life. Look at number four. Check it out. You don't rise to the level of your goals. You rise or you fall to the level of your systems. Fifth thing that you need to know, and it's true, we focus on results. If we focus on systems, the results will take care of themselves. So our focus is on the 10 pounds we got to lose instead of the system behind it. I, got, I touched a nerve there, I can tell. I, there's some holiday meals talking back at me right there. <laughs> Look at number six. Check it out. Habit will always take you further than desire. Look, I love that you should see, Pastor David. So many people are now using their phones. God bless you. You're listening to me. <laughs> Habit will always take you further than desire. 
And may I challenge everybody in the house to get five or six really good, Holy Ghost-inspired, biblically-based habits and begin to systematically place them in your life, and they will always take you further than desire. There's times my desire is there, there's times my desire is not, but my habit is in place, and therefore it takes me to a successful place. How many of the bad habits will take you to an unsuccessful place? You don't believe that? Believe this. Check it out. If we're going to make this show, we got to go now. Yeah, yeah. Give me just one minute. Okay. Let me make one phone call. Little Tony. Paisan. Dude. Hey, yeah, yeah. So do me a favor. Get off the phone. Hey, give me a hundred large on glue stick. I know I owe you money. This is a sure thing. A hundred large on glue stick. I know it's a terrible name. He's a good horse. All right. All right. Who's your buddy? I love you. All right, we'll talk to you soon. Man, you have a real problem with gambling. Look, I've heard for years how gambling destroys families. But I'll tell you what, since I started gambling, my family of four has gotten a lot closer together. How in the world is your family of four closer together because of gambling? We live in a one-bedroom shack down by the river. We're closer together. Come on, bad habits will take you to a place that you don't want to go. Will you turn to your neighbor and say, you bet they will. Oh, come on, that's clever. So the first reason that our resolutions, our goals fail, the reason we continue to lather and rinse and repeat is because we focus so much more on the what instead of the how, the results instead of the system. The second reason that we're continuing to lather and rinse and repeat. Check it out. Number two is we don't see results fast enough. We're, we're Americans, man. We like to see results, and we like to see them right away. Let me expound on that a little bit. Let me give you seven thoughts on that. You've heard me say number one a lot. Please put up number one. Check it out. We serve a crockpot God, but we live in a microwave world. We, 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 we were getting this backwards. I mean, we, we got to have drive-through, breakthrough. We got to have instant oatmeal uh, maturity. That's what we want. We're Americans, but that is not your God. He is a crockpot. And I know a lot of you millennials have no idea what a crockpot is. But it is a slow, simmering thing, and that is God. We need to have Hebrews 6.12, faith and patience that inherit the promise. It's not going to happen overnight. How many realize, and we'll be honest with this pastor, you didn't get in the mess that you got in overnight? Well, you're not going to get out of it overnight. And I watch a lot of people. Here's what they do in America, particularly. And a lot of it's because of Christian television. We want to, you know, have some preacher pray over us and then, you know, just wave his hand. Ooh, poopy doo. And then all of our troubles just go away. We, you know, if, uh, the preacher on television, if you just send $1,000 to my ministry, then, ooh, poopy doo, all of your troubles go away. Listen to me, that is not biblical teaching. You didn't get into the mess overnight. It's going to take, you can start today, but it's going to take a little bit of time to get out of that problem that we've all self-inflicted. We live in this microwave world, but we serve a crockpot God. Second thing that you need to know, check it out, is we wildly underestimate the power of diligence. 
I talk a lot about diligence here at Joy Church, and you know my personal pastor, Jimism. This is my nugget. This is my definition of diligence, biblical diligence. Number three, it's doing little things for a long time until it makes a big difference. Come on, say it with me. Doing little things for a long time until it makes a And it may take a long time. It's just doing little things for a long time until it makes a big difference, but we wildly underestimate the power of it. Do not belittle the little. Everything in the kingdom of God starts with little. Because the Bible says the kingdom of God, Mark 426, revolves around seeds. All seeds are little. Every great storm begins with a small cloud. Every great door opens on a small hinge. Don't belittle the little. Doing little things for a long time until it makes a big difference. And then the contrast is really true as well. Number four, laziness is neglecting little things for a long time until it makes a big difference. Any, anybody in the house ever work out at one point in your life? And then maybe you, take, you took a couple months off or more. Yeah, yeah, we've all been there, right? You remember, you, you, you remember the things on the back of your arms called triceps? Remember that? My wife's so cute, you know, she'll, she'll start exercising a little bit, and, and then she'll say, honey, she'll be looking at the and she'll do one of those, say, look, I, I got my little tricep right there. I mean, she's a little, she's a little hook right there. She'll, look, I got a tricep, see that? And, and she, I mean, that's what she calls a tricep. And then I get next to her, and I go, pa-pang! And I go, now that's a tricep. You remember those things called triceps? You remember that? You remember, you remember when you're working out, they were so tight and they were right, and, 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 and they, were, they were feeling dynamite. You remember that? But then after you, you, you let them go for a while, and then you remember what happened to the triceps? They became six flags over Georgia. <laughs> and now when you're on the roller coaster and you lift your arms, it's like, hey, we're here in Georgia. Neglecting little things for a long time can make a big difference. And this is why this culture is geared to really teach us to walk away from diligence. This is how the whole culture is oriented. The whole culture is oriented around immediate gratification. You know that if you think about it. And it goes this way. You know, let's say you're, you're, you're here and you're trying to get out of debt. All right, 2020, I need out of debt. I'm, 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 I'm gonna, that's my goal, I'm, my resolution, I want out of debt. So we got $20,000 worth of debt. And so we pay down 100 bucks extra on that debt. And we're left with $19,900. And so really it seems so insignificant to us. We think, eh. I got 19.9 left. I mean, what's whoop de do? I, I thought I was really being nice and mature and self-disciplined, and I put down an extra 100 bucks on it, and it hardly makes a difference at all. And then, and then the opposite is true. You, you, you know that. Uh, we, we play for, uh, four hours worth of Fortnite. Boy, I, could, I hit another nerve there again. Four hours worth of Fortnite. We neglect our family and play four hours worth of Fortnite. And, 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 and the next day we get up and there's no divorce. The kids still love us. There's no big deal. There's no problem. It didn't seem like that four hours really made a difference at all. So why not do it more and more and more and more and more? Is anybody out there with me? Well, that's true what I just said. It, it, just, it, we, 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 we get, you know, Aunt Irma sends us a box of her favorite fudge brownies for Christmas. And we eat almost the whole box 
over Christmas. And then the next day we get on our scale. We really only gained a pound, a pound. That's not so bad. It's just, it's just a pound. No big deal. Let's do it again. <laughs> and again and again and again. And before you know it, we're twice the person we used to be. See how the culture is aligned? And then that leads me to the next one because here's the erroneous thought that it creates. Check it out. We wrongfully then conclude that good and bad decisions don't make much of a difference. And that is a wrongful decision. We really have been trained by the culture. It doesn't make a difference, these little things that I'm doing. And the Bible is very clear about diligence. Proverbs 10 4, the Bible says, The hands of the diligent maketh rich. Proverbs 21 and verse 5, the Bible tells us that the plans of the diligent surely lead to plenty. Proverbs 12, 27, the Bible says diligence is a man's precious possession. Proverbs 12, 24, the Bible says that the diligent will be promoted. Doing little things for a long time till it makes a big difference, you wildly underestimate the power of it. Could I have at least a small oh me? So important. And look at number six, check it out. Little compromises that no one sees produce great failure that everyone sees. Now look at me for just a minute, everybody. Let, let, if, you, if you don't get anything else out of this session, get what I'm about to say. Now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to some, throw some real wisdom at you here from your pastor. This is my 36th year of ministry, so will you trust me that I have a little bit of wisdom? And I've seen a whole lot over those years. And I'm going to throw a whole lot of wisdom at you right now that's going to help you, but it's going to make you really think. And let me talk to you men for just a minute, all right? I, I got to talk to you men because you know how we are. I mean, us men, we really struggle getting any sort of help outside ourselves because, you know, we got it. I mean, we don't even ask for directions, do we? I mean, we, Christopher Columbus didn't ask for directions. I'm not going to ask for directions. <laughs> we, we, we don't need any help. Anybody old enough to remember the, the TV show, The Happy Days? Remember that? You millennials, Google happy days. You remember the Fonz? You remember, remember what he struggled with? I got to update my humor, by the way. I will. In 2021. But in the meantime, I'm stuck. I'm lathering and rinsing and repeating when it comes to my humor. Remember the Fonz? And you remember, remember what he struggled with? He always struggled with saying that he was wrong. He had a hard time saying he was wrong, and he couldn't say it. Remember, I was right? A lot of men, we're like that. We struggle with that. We don't like to admit that we're... And we sure don't need any help. We got this. And we're not going to invite anybody to help us because we're men. We're strong. I got it. I can figure it out myself. Listen to me very close. Now, listen to your pastor now. You need... Listen. You need men. You need to invite people into your little dragons. I'm going to call them little dragons. Invite people that you can trust, not anybody... But people, you can trust you. Don't cast pearl before the swine. Listen to your pastor closely. Love quickly. Trust slowly. But you do need to have someone that you can trust, that you can invite in on your little dragons. What do you mean little dragons? Those little compromises that nobody sees. Because here's what I know about little dragons. Please get this if you don't get anything else. Little dragons always eventually become big dragons. And I know when you invite people in on your little dragons, when you're that initial struggle, it's embarrassing. And that's why we as men, we don't like to do that. But please listen to me closely. I know it's embarrassing. But little dragons always become big dragons. And when they're big, 
everybody can see your dragons. And now it's extremely embarrassing. And now people that love you see your big dragons, and people that hate you see your big dragons, but we all see your big dragons. That's why it's so important to invite people that you can trust in on your little dragons when they're little. Because if you don't conquer those little dragons, those little compromises, they will grow to be big dragons and everybody will see them. I just gave you truth whether you want to sign off for that or not. And any time that God steps on your toes, by the way, I'm just just the UPS boy. You don't have to sign for that. That's just a package I'm delivering at your doorstep. But it'll help you if you sign for it. Turn turn to your neighbor and say, I don't need this, but clearly you do. (laughs) I can tell by that response, you got it down, you're fine, you're good. You're, you're, You're good, you're holy, you're wonderful. God bless you. Just look back at your neighbor and say, that's why I brought you here today, because you need this. <laughs> I want you to know, come on, these little compromises that no one sees, if, if we don't get them, if we don't take care of them when they're little, they're going to grow. 36 years in ministry, I've never had scandal, but I've got to keep doing what I'm teaching to do every single year, every single year, because my, my last impression will be my lasting impression. And I want to be a pastor that doesn't hit the skids. It doesn't have problems. It doesn't have some moral failure. But listen, if you're here and you struggle with any of those, the good news is there is restoration for you. And it leads me to number seven, and this really is true. It's the opposite. Little sacrifices that no one sees produces great successes that everybody wants. And boy, is that true. You, you, you ever see anybody in the house ever see a, a couple with a really good marriage? They've been married a long time, not two weeks, but been married a long time and they get a really good marriage? By that response, you've never seen that? No, I got a lousy marriage and I ain't never seen a good one. Come on, has anybody ever seen a, a couple with a really, really good marriage? I got I to gotta be, be honest with you. My wife and I, we don't have a perfect marriage, but we don't just have a good marriage. We have a great marriage. And, and, and we've been married, 30, we're going on 30 years. It's going to be our 30-year anniversary in July. Not that we don't have to work at it like you do, because we do. But listen to me, everybody sees this, and everybody goes, oh, they got a really good marriage. We get that all the time. We get letters. You, your marriage is a blessing to us. It inspires us. I'm glad. And we don't have what I call a ministry marriage, where we just put on a show for you. we got to flesh it out like you do. I'm honest about how sometimes we have to overcome things, like Hallmark. <laughs> Can we just stop for a moment and thank the living God that Christmas, Hallmark Christmas movies are now over. They're over. Thank you, Jesus. We just give you thanks, dear God. We love you. We praise your wonderful name. But now I want to tell you, I was walking up and I saw Miss Ann watching the thing. I said, and I thought all the Christmas Hallmark things were over, right? Now they're starting a thing on Hallmark called Hallmark Winterfest. Never ends, people. It never ends. It goes from Winterfest to Valentine's Fest to Spring Fest to Infest. It's awful. It never stops. It never stops. I promise you, if you go to hell, they'll be showing that all day long in hell. Don't go to hell. So we have to overcome things just like you have to overcome things. But we do have a very successful marriage. And everybody says, well, I'd love to have that. You can. 
You just have to have the same sacrifices and investments that we do. You have to invest in it. Listen to me. I watch people all the time. They're willing to spend $10,000 on a thing called a wedding, but they won't spend fifty dollars to enhance their marriage. Come on. Somebody talk to me. Be honest. Say amen or owe me. One of the two, it's true. You're spending $10,000 on a day. You need to invest in something that's going to last a lifetime. Yes, sir. So, well, Pastor, I'm on my sixth. I'm on my sixth marriage. Well, listen, we're not here to condemn you. That's not what we're about at Joy Church. You can't unring certain bells. Don't tell me you're on your sixth marriage. Just tell me you're on your last one. Right. Invest in this one. Make this one work for the love of God. Because look at you. This is your sixth marriage. You're getting old. You're not going to be able to do seven. <laughs> Unless you have a lot of money, then you can do seven, eight, nine, and ten. You can buy as many marriages as you like. Oh, it got quiet on that one. You don't want to live that way. I know you don't. So invest in what you got. Quit wishing and hoping. I, I would love that. You can have it. You can have it. But you've got to have the little sacrifices that no one sees so that you can have great successes that everybody wants. Anybody ever see someone in their 50s, slim and trim and in good shape? <laughs> no, if you can find one. <laughs> I'm talking about me, people. Listen, if I knew I was going to be in this good shape when I, when I was 58 years old, I would have taken much better care of my face. I have a radio face. You understand that. I'm okay with that. She's not. <laughs> Listen, you, we, we, we've all seen that. We, but it's a little, it's a, you, you don't have no idea the things that I do to have energy. I feel, honest to goodness, I'm not just talking whatever. Honest to goodness, I feel like I'm in my 20s. I'm not joking. I, I feel like I'm, now watch, everybody catches the flu. I don't catch the flu. I, I, I just, I feel like I'm in my 20s, but you don't see all the broccoli that I eat. I eat a ton of broccoli. You would know it if you lived in my house. You would know it. Fiber, people. Fiber does things to you. It's... Makes you healthy. That's what I meant. You had something else going on in your mind. I don't know what. You don't see all the workouts that I put into what I do. I work out so diligently. I never miss. I don't miss over Christmas. I, don't, I never miss. Never. I never miss. But I'm going to tell you, I don't always like doing that, but I love how doing that makes you feel. I love being almost 58. I'll be 58 just in a couple days. I feel like I'm in my 20s. I've got the energy that I did when I was in my 20s. These people, these people all these old people on the staff, they can't keep up with me. <laughs> And I'm the oldest in the bunch, but they can't keep up with me. Thank you for your enthusiasm. <laughs> you ever see anybody who's just got a really, really great walk with God? They just love God. They're, they're just full of life. They're not judgmental. They're, they're, they treat people well. They, they have a successful prayer time. They're in the word of God. They're making their lives count for Jesus. And you ever just think, oh, gosh, I wish I had that. Yeah. Listen to me very closely. Stop wishing you can have that that is not for some magical person that is for you 
It's for you, it's for everybody in the house. Stop wishing about the marriage and the health and the finances and the walk with God and start doing little biblical things on a daily basis that matter and you will not recognize yourself one year from now, but you got to be willing to go all in like Kevin Aiken Bacon. Your life will be changed. Stop wishing. Start deciding. Stop intending. And start making decisions that say, yeah, I'm, I'm going all in. I'm tired of lathering and rinsing and repeating. I'm going to make a rule in my life. Uh, no, no Bible, no breakfast. I'm going to put the Word of God first in 2020. I'm going to jump into the Word. It doesn't have to be a big thing, but just read a chapter, man. Start with a chapter. Before you get breakfast, I'm going into the Bible. You don't have to have this big, giant prayer life. That's not what we're talking about. But just take five, five and five to start. Take five minutes of worship, five minutes in prayer, and five, five minutes just simply reading the Word of God. If you take five, five and five, it's a start. It's not the place to end, but it's a start. Anybody can do that. Yeah, and I'm not, and I'm not picking on you. I'm not. I'm really not. But start attending church on a regular basis, and then that's not. I'm not yelling at you as your pastor. I'm really trying to benefit you. This world is, is man. It's it's nasty. You know that crazy things going. You need a place where you can come and you can be fed and you can laugh a little bit and you can be challenged a lot of bit. And we, you can grow and you can smile and you can learn and, 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 you, can, and you can see videos. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on. May I challenge you to do that? It'll change your life forever. So little sacrifices that no one sees really do produce great successes that everybody wants. Quit wanting what they, what they have and start doing what they do and you can have what they have. Hope that helps anybody in the house. That's why we're failing. That's why our resolutions and intentions are not working. And then the third reason so that we don't lather and rinse and repeat, number three, is our inward position really does determine our outward conditions. What do you mean by that, Pastor? Really, it's how we see ourselves. That's why we fail so much at these goals and these resolutions. Let me give you Proverbs 23, 7. I could quote it, but I want you to see it. Notice what it says. Notice what Solomon said by the Holy Spirit. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Ever say is? As a man or woman thinks in his heart, so is he. What does that word is mean? Because that is the key word, is, let me give you three is items, check it out. Is, number one, is, represents your present condition. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Your present condition is determined by how you think in your heart. You may not understand that. That's why I said earlier that our outward conditions really are determined by our inward positions. Your, your, uh, your outward circumstance is really determined by your inward portrait. As you think in your heart, so is you. Remember what the president said a long time ago when he said it in a really bad way? Well, you told, it depends on what is, is, right? Well, this, in this case, this is true. You have to understand how you think in your heart determines your present condition. 
Therefore, and this is great news, number two is applicable. What you think in your heart determines your present condition. And if you want to change that sucker, number three, check it out. If you don't like your present condition, you must change how you think in your heart. Say, so, pa Pastor, what do you mean by that? Listen to me closely. We, we, we set these goals. We have these resolutions. We have these great intentions. But then we fall back on our inward heart condition. And we say things like this in our heart. Well, I, I get what he's saying. I get what the pastor's saying. And, and, I, and I know my goal is to get out of debt. But you know what? I've really never been good with finances. Now, see what's happening? You're falling back on how you see yourself in your heart. Well, you know, Pastor, I'm just not a really an organized person. Now, I get that. That may not be your strength. I understand that. There, you may not be naturally bent towards organization, but every one of you can write things down. Four of you can write things down. But see, you're falling back on how you think in your heart. I'm just not organized. Or, or this one, I, you know, I just have an addictive personality. I, I just, you know, I, I, I just have, that's just me. That's who, no, no, no. That's who you see yourself as in your heart. Right. And if you do have an addictive personality, listen, I'm not here to throw rocks at you. 38 years ago, I was an alcoholic checking IDs at a bar. I was totally addicted. I've just taken that addictive personality, and I am no longer addicted to booze or phonics. I am addicted to Jesus. <laughs> I've just taken that addiction, and I have placed it towards a person that will not give you a hangover. There is no high like the most high. And you can too. Quit hiding behind as a man thinks in his heart. That is determining your present condition. And if you want to change your present condition, you've got to change how you think in your heart. Let me give you a life point that will change your life. And if you don't get anything, get this. Check it out. An unhealthy identity creates unhealthy habits. Unhealthy habits then reinforce an unhealthy identity. And it becomes this catch-22 where you're just chasing your own tail. You've got this really unhealthy identity. Therefore, it creates unhealthy habits, which reinforces that unhealthy identity, which then in turn creates more unhealthy habits. And at 58, you've got to stop doing that. You've got to stop circling like that because that is an unhealthy thing for me to do. I'm back. I'm back. I had to, I had, I had to refocus. Anybody, anybody, when I was a kid, man, I used to love roller coasters and everything like that. Now I don't do this as well. Have you noticed that? <laughs> it's the only thing that's changed. I feel great like I'm in my 20s, but I don't do this as well, and I've got to stop doing this. Why do I continue to do it and tell myself that I should stop? Because I'm lathering and rinsing and repeating. You see this unhealthy cycle that we get ourselves in? And that's why the second life point is also true. Check it out. When you discover who you are in Christ, you can live your life from your position, not your condition. You, you remember Jesus? Boy, I'm, I'm a good pastor. He said it in, 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 a real, in, a, in a different way, but the same principle. Matthew chapter 12, 33 to 35. Jesus said this way. He said, he said a good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good things. 
And an evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, brings forth evil things. And out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. In other words, whatever is in there in abundance is going to determine your present condition. So the key is not being out here grabbing at fruit, trying to change your present condition. The key is changing the treasure chest on the inside. Just helping anybody in the house. I tell people, you know, I, I hear people like, well, Pastor, you know, I, I'm a Christian now. I, I love Jesus. And so, you know, I, I was out in the world and I get that. And, and, and so I'm trying to change my vocabulary a little bit. I'm trying to change. I, I don't want to cuss anymore. I want to represent the Lord real well. And, and I, I t always tell people this because they go about it the wrong way. I always tell people, don't try to stop cussing. Okay. Right. <laughs> Look at some of the people going, I love this church. Matter of fact, I love this beep church. I love it. I love it. No, 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 wait, now you're not hearing me right. You're not hearing me right. Hear me out all the way. See, you're grabbing at fruit. The, the, the idea is not to stop cussing. The idea is changing what's in the abundance of your heart. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If you want to change what comes out, you've got to change what goes in. And if you change the treasure in your heart, you'll automatically, the cuss words will automatically step aside. And now what comes out of your mouth will not be something that you wouldn't hold in your hand. What comes out of your mouth is blessing instead of cursing. But you're going about it the wrong way. You're trying to gotta get out here and change the present condition instead of changing how you think in your heart. Now you're catching it. Is helping anybody? You remember Mephibosheth from the, from the Old Covenant from 2 Samuel chapter 7? You remember Mephibosheth? He had a cooking show. Mephibosheth. Remember he was always against Bobby Flay. Remember that? Read your Bible. It's all in there. It's all in there. And you remember Mephibosheth? And you remember he was dropped in 2 Samuel chapter 2. He was dropped uh, to the ground by his nurse when he was trying to escape, and he was crippled from, from when he was little. And then remember, David, he, he wanted to find any sort of relative of Jonathan as a result of the covenant that he had with Jonathan. And he said, is there anybody alive? And someone came to him and said, yeah, Mephibosheth. He lives over down in Lodabar. And he says, okay, find him and bring him to the palace. They brought Mephibosheth to the palace. And here Mephibosheth is surrounded by palatial beauty. I mean, every, he pulled up to the king's table. Have what you want. Eat what you want. All-inclusive resort. Beautiful place. And the first thing out of Mephibosheth's mouth is, I am not worthy. I am but a dog. And listen to me. Why? Why did that happen? Because that's how Mephibosheth thought of himself in his heart. So you can change the scenery. You can get a new wife. You can get a new job. You, you can go to a new city. You can do all of that. And you can change the scenery all around. You can get pulled up to the king's table. But as you think in your heart will determine your is. And if you don't change what's in your heart, you're going to abort that new marriage, abort that new job, and abort that new city. Because it's not about those outward conditions. It is about your inward position. And if you're going to change anything in 2020, you've got to know who you are in Christ. And who you are in Christ, the Bible tells you very clearly in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3, that you have been blessed 
Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 4, that you've been called out holy and blameless in his sight in love. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 5, the Bible says you've been predestined to be adopted to be his child. Ephesians 1 and 6, you're accepted in the beloved. Ephesians 1 and 7, you are redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Romans chapter 8 and verse 31, God is for you who can be against you. Psalms 118 and verse 6, the Lord is on your side. You will not fear. Deuteronomy 28, 1 and 2, that you're the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath. 2 Corinthians 5, 21, you've been made the righteousness of God in Christ. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14, that you have been caused to always triumph in Christ. Romans 8, 37, you are more than a conqueror. That's how God sees you. That's how you need to start thinking of yourself in your heart. And then when you do that, your present condition will begin to slowly change, not overnight, but over time. And you'll stop aborting all of those goals and resolutions that out of a good heart that you want to do. And all of a sudden, that lathering and rinsing and repeating will begin to stop. Over the next couple of weekends, we're going to show you how to break those old habits and create new biblical ones. Why, Pastor? Because we are what we repeatedly do.